Welcome back to the Sully Scoop, where three lifelong Husker bros dive in-depth on all surrounding the new era of Husker football, where our cups never run dry of the roulade, under head coach Matt Rule, made by fans for fans, with J-Sol, B-Sol, and T-Sol. The Sully Scoop is the official Nebraska Cornhusker football podcast, brought to you by Big Banter. We're back on your favorite Cornhusker podcast. That's the Sully Scoop. You're here with J-Sol, B-Sol, and T-Sol. And joining us this week is B. Schneid, a blogger new to Big Banter, the biggest and upcoming Big Ten content media stream. What's up, guys? How's it going? Welcome back, B. Welcome back, B. Schneid. Yeah, I'm super happy to be on again. So it's been a good time. We, uh talking with you guys and everything so super pumped up to be on and talk some uh, big 10 football more importantly the big 10 football is husker football that's what we're here for that's what the fans are here for and it's the best atmosphere in college football and we're glad to have you back on here b schneid i appreciate it guys yeah and I mean, the last couple episodes, we ran through our picks. We're getting our guest stars picks. So ultimately, this episode, we're going to get your picks to see where you have the Huskers going this season. Are you like J-Sol walking on thin ice or are you like B-Sol just cannonballing in? You know, we'll see how it goes. Um, But we can start with the Nebraska-Minnesota game that we have coming up here in two weeks, which will come real quick. Uh, Yeah, I mean... I'm honestly, uh, I'm, I want to be a realist in like the season. Like I would not be surprised if we finish like five and seven, six and six, but I look at it, look at the team and then I look at the other team schedules and everything that's going on in the big 10 West itself and our, everything. And I think there's a real possibility, honestly, for a 10 and two type of year, I Minnesota right now. I mean, the stuff going off PJ flat kind of, there's a little bit of controversy and stuff. And they're losing their quarterback in Tanner Morgan. Well, Ibrahim's gone. They're losing that veteran stuff. So they're going to be playing young guys too. We come up on the road under a new coach. We have a coach who's going to ignite heart into our players now finally. Um, and a lot of unknowns with with the team. So I I think we go up and I think we beat Minnesota. I think a, I, I see us going up there and beating Minnesota with score about 27 the uh, 17 or something like that. That's what I like to hear, B. Schneid. It's finally nice to have somebody on this panel who agrees we are going up to Minneapolis and coming out with a W to start the season. Uh, You hit the nail on the head there. I mean, Minnesota lost so much talent and so many veteran guys. And while Nebraska's got a, a lot of new people there as well, I like we like we've all said, I just think Matt Rule is the right guy for the job, and I think he's brought in, like you said, a lot of heart, and he's got the kids believing and really fighting for one another. They're not playing individual ball right now at fall camp. Yeah, and you know, Bissell, I'm starting to fall on that side, and I was with Chazzy. It was one of our coin flip games, but after Jaysol got me all fired up last week, I think I'm officially switching my pick over. <laughs> as the Nebraska Cornhuskers beaten the Minnesota Golden Gophers that game, because I don't think PJ Fleck is that great of a coach. And I don't think PJ Fleck is making it out of this season. And I mean, 
rolling into this game. This is a must win game for Minnesota. And for our Nebraska Cornhuskers, this is one of those games where you have nothing to lose. You get to play a tough team because it's all on the line for Colorado. If you lose to Colorado, the sky is falling. But against Minnesota, you can start out hot. And if we come in and surprise them, and I'll just flip my score. I think I had 27-24 in Minnesota's favor. I'll make it 27-24 Nebraska's favor. So you're so, just going to do a quick flip there, T-Salt. Just flip the scores, and you're t- putting it as a win for the Huskers then going forward. That's right, Jason. All because you got me all fired up last week. I'm sticking with it. P.J. Now, Fleck is going to start the season one and three and get out of here. Now, T-Salt, just to confirm, you did have Minnesota winning 24 to 17. You are now picking the Huskers to win 24-17 or 27-24? 24-17. It's a seven-point spread right now as we're talking, and I suspect Nebraska's not only going to cover the spread, they're going to beat the spread. You know, T-Cell was going at B-Cell nonstop, giving everyone a hard time when B-Cell's backing him up that he's living in a delusional world. And, <laughs> you know, it's oddly funny to see T-Cell flipping his side and he's riding with B-Cell once again. But I do want to say, I don't know if I can get on your side right now, b Schneid. I think it's, you know, opening week. I don't know if I'm with you guys. I mean, it's the game one under a new head coach. I know they got a whole new type of program running up in Minnesota with a new uh, quarterback and a new running back. But I mean, they still got the big bruisers up front in the line. I mean, they're going to control the trenches. And I think that's where the game is going to be lost for the Huskers. But I think it's going to show promise for the entire season going forward and for what's coming in the future. But I do want to say that I don't think that we're going to come in and just flip the switch game one. I think we're going to need to see a couple games and, you know, it's going to be a true testament to what we have going the rest of the season. If it turns into a blowout either way, let me tell you, I did order my Kool-Aid barrels. They are on the way, I promise, but they are not here yet. So I'm not ready to jump in there with you. Now, what's this Kool-Aid you're talking about? Because I've been drinking that Rule-Aid since the day Matt Rule was hired. Yeah, Jason, I think you're too busy rowing your boat down there because when you, when you look at Minnesota's schedule, I mean, I know we're diving through with B. Schneid for the Huskers, but I just, you know, quick flipped over to the Minnesota schedule. How do you think Minnesota is coming out of the West with this? They got a brutal schedule this year. What? How do you see them coming out of this? It's one thing to come at me. Let me tell you, T-Saw. <laughs> I am going to tell you this. I am want to flip my pick right now. But again, we have new head coaches all around the Big Ten that I mean, Big Ten West, that I don't know if I could jump on their bandwagon just yet. I mean, come week three, I might be jumping ship to another team, you know, wanting to flip my pick. But right now, I think you got to go with one of the teams that has a coach that has been there and his program is already running. And PJ Fleck is one of those guys. I mean, if you go on to beat Michigan and Ohio State in the same year, That is something you upset one of them. I think you're going into the Big Ten Championship if you can upset one of them. But, however, the only other teams are Illinois and Iowa, and there is no chance Iowa is coming out of the Big Ten West. That is why I went with Minnesota, because I do not think Illinois has that good of a team. They just run the ball, and that is why their defense looks good, is because their defense is rarely on the field, and the wheels will fall off with one injury at running back. All right, so enough about the rest of the Big Ten. And West teams here because we'll we'll get down and we'll break down some of those games here and you can 
have your love fest with uh, Brett Bielema here a little later there, Jason. Again, uh, that is T-Soul who picked the Illinois fighting <laughs> Illini. Chief Illiniwick over there picked Illinois to go to the Big Ten Championship. Well, let's let's just dive in, uh, Beachnight. How do you see this Nebraska at Colorado game going for the second week of the season? Uh, so this is an interesting one. Uh, I really think Colorado's going to be bad, um, especially because, like, so I had a – or I have a cousin that was a, a scholarship tight end at CU, and he was telling me that they have, like, I think he said like nine of the guys on the previous team from last year are there. Like, cause everybody else, cause he was one of them that's on scholarship. Um, I mean, he still has that, but Dion told him to pack his stuff and leave after spring ball. Um, told basically all of them. So they have no continuity. Everybody just showed up there. I see them going maybe, I, I don't know if they'll win a game. I really don't. I mean, I, I agree that Travis Hunter and, Sanders' son's a good quarterback, but there's no excuse you lose to Colorado. There, there really isn't. Um, we should go up there and beat them by 15, 20 points at least. Um, it's going to be a home game anyway. As we know, there's more Nebraska fans in Colorado than there are CU fans. So um, we should go up there and just – that should be – I don't want to say a cakewalk because, I mean, they'll be there to play, but um, – I, we should go up there and take care of business. Yeah, I do want to say you got it. you got to give your cousin a shout out. We got to know his name, but I do want to say: Are you locking it in that if the Huskers lose to Colorado, are you disappointed in the hire in Matt Rule versus who we could have had in Deion Sanders? Uh no, 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 no. I I would not be disappointed in <laughs> uh, the hire Matt Rule. I, I was a Deion Sanders fan before this, but after seeing like what he does for like running his program, he, I, it's sloppy. I think it's going to be worse than like a, what Scott Frost was supposed to be at Nebraska. I just, I think it's a big dumpster fire, but uh, yeah, my cousin's name uh, is Eric Olson. He, he's a, was like a, I think he was like a three or four star recruit out of Littleton, Colorado. So yeah, he said he, uh, right now we're just staying there because he's got a school paid for and stuff, but he was looking at, Last year he played quite a bit on specials and uh, played some offense and stuff. But he said if he maybe missed it, he might try to transfer after the year. But that's where he's at right now. But that's kind of too bad because a lot of good athletes, Dion just didn't like because he wasn't a part of his staff and he wanted to bring all those, his own recruits in. So too bad for those players that kind of committed to that and everything else. Yeah, yeah, B. Schneid, and you mentioned his, you mentioned Deion Sanders and Scott Frost in the same sentence. And I really like that. Um, I really like that connection that you created there because I agree. That is how Dion came into Colorado. He came in all arrogant. I'm better. I'm better than any coach that's ever been here. I'm smarter than any coach. I can recruit better than any coach. And that's exactly what Scott Frost did. And if we recall, Scott Frost had some pretty good athletes. He told them, eh, get packing. What we got is better. And one of those guys just happened to be Joe Burrow. And it's like, dude, what are you talking about? You're you're telling Joe Burrow to go packing over Adrian Martinez. And look, I don't want to throw any dirt on Adrian Martinez's name. I love the guy. I think he was great for us, for you know what he could do. But I'm sorry, man, you were nowhere near Joe Burrow. 
See, now, T-Saw, this is where I would disagree with you, okay? Listen, Joe Burrow is the better quarterback, but who fits Scott Frost's scheme better was definitely Adrian Martinez. Joe Burrow, if he would have played on that Husker team, would have been injured. He would not have finished a season with Scott Frost coaching the team because there was no such thing as an offensive line. Adrian Martinez was only something special because of his legs. He made things happen. And I don't think Joe Burrow makes it to the NFL and is the caliber player he is today with Cincinnati if he doesn't go play for LSU with the best wide receivers in college football at the time. Now, Jay Sol, Jay Sol, you're living I, in a delusional world. You're you're pulling the B Sol. You're living in a delusional world. Just because somebody plays on a worse team all around doesn't take away their talent for the NFL. And I'll I'll ask you this question: If Joe Burrow's on Nebraska for that season, does he win more than three games? Simple question. Does he make it through three games is a better no. question. Does so, he because he does not have the scram- <laughs> he does not have the scrambling ability when you're playing in the Big Ten. It is big bruisers coming through the line, and it's tough when your O line is puking 15 times. They're losing weight. They're not as big as you need them to be. Let me ask you: Are they big bodies coming for him in the NFL? You know, are the Pittsburgh Steelers, Baltimore Ravens, big bodies coming at him? I'll tell you what, T. So I would rather stand behind the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line than the Huskers offensive line against the Louisiana Tech any day of the week. Okay, Jay, so now say that again when you have the Iowa defensive line actually hitting you versus the Pittsburgh Steelers defensive line actually hitting you. Which one would you rather take a hit from? Well, who's blocking for me? I mean, I got to know some stuff. I mean, Joe Burrow's probably bigger than anyone that was trying to chase him down in college. He's a pretty big guy. Now, now T, there's there's a couple things here. I agree with Jaisal. Adrian Martinez fit Scott Frost and what he wanted to those, do better. Those than words Joe never Burrow. get old, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that I disagree with is I do think Joe Burrow would have won more than three games with that Husker team. However, as Jay said would he have been healthy for more than three games? There was a lot of times that Adrian Martinez made plays happen. They may have not been positive for us, but he was able to stay upright because he was able to extend a play and continue to run and kind of get out of dodge. And Joe Burrow doesn't have that same scrambling ability. I'm not calling him a slouch. He's a hell of an athlete, but I don't know that he would have been able to outrun a handful of those guys. B. Schneid, let me get your take on this this Joe Burrow thing because uh, these guys don't know what they're talking about. I got to go with uh, Tiesel a little bit here. I mean, Joe Burrow was I, – I, then again, though, what, what Scott Frost was wanting to do was so, like, huge yep. schematic Pac-12 AAC type stuff. Yeah. Big Ten anyway. But I do still think Joe Burrow – I mean, I that dude's gotten – beat up so many times playing up Cincinnati and he still comes back and just finds a way. I mean, they made it to the Super Bowl with the worst offensive line to ever make the Super Bowl. So, I mean, I think that Nebraska definitely would have, uh, I mean, Joe Burrow could nothing against Adrian Martinez. I mean, awesome guy. I mean, one amazing athlete, but he couldn't make a decision. Joe Burrow is snapping the fingers. He's throwing the ball. either throwing it away or getting out of the pocket or something. So, 
I think that we would have had more offensive success with some of those defenses that were pretty good. I think we definitely would have made a bowl game. So I'm sorry, uh, Diesel and Diesel. <laughs> that one hurts a little bit, but you know what? I got to know, do you think LSU still goes on to win? Say they flip-flop. Adrian Martinez is at LSU and Joe Burrow is at Nebraska. Do you think Nebraska would go on to win, you know, the college football playoff? Or do you think LSU would go still go on? No, no. 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 I don't think uh, Nebraska would go on to win the playoff because of the coaching. Um, the, the, Nebraska made no second-half adjustments under Frost. So we definitely would have had a fair share of losses. And LSU would have been good. I, I think Martinez showed at Kansas State that he is a great quarterback, a great athlete. But I don't know if LSU goes. I, I they probably still make the playoff, honestly, because of their top to bottom talent, roster talent. But I don't know. That's something interesting to think about. But I, that's, and one of the things too that's, that's that's one of the million dollar what if questions. What if Frost never came to Nebraska that year? Martinez would have been the Tennessee quarterback. How would Tennessee have fared? That's true. And I do think, I think it would have been a plug and play with just about anybody with the type of talent they had at wide receiver and the best defensive, you know, in college football at the time, the best offense. I mean, it was a plug and play for Joe Burrow at LSU. I think he got, he is a great quarterback, but I think he was gifted a program there to where you could plug in just about any other quarterback in the power five, and they could have put up some stats at LSU. And what does that say about the Ohio state quarterback room as well? That Joe Burrow was one of the odd guys out. It says that their coach is an idiot. I mean, that's really what it comes down to in that room for me. I'm sorry, but CJ Stroud doesn't even touch him. JT Barrett doesn't touch him. So I mean, they were clearly in Ohio State looking for a quarterback who could try and do it all, almost like a triple crown. He can throw it deep and run it type of thing. And Joe Burrow's not going to be able to run with JT Barrett or CJ Stroud, whichever guy he was competing with. I think it was Barrett, but that's what it tells me. Because, I mean, ultimately, when you, when you look at these guys' futures in the NFL, Joe Burrow looks to be a future Hall of Famer, and JT Barrett is a no-namer. But it's a different level of football, T. So I'll tell you what, it's college football is different from the NFL. You want a different style quarterback. That is all I'm saying. You want more of an agility, athletic quarterback at college because more stuff is going to be breaking down. In the NFL, you just want a guy you can plug in there that can get the ball to the playmakers. And Jay, so how did that work out for Ohio State? Can you can you just like connect my memory back? Because I can't remember. Did they go in after getting rid of Joe Burrow and win any championships? Who had the best wide receivers in college football that year? Who had the best offense in college football? Who had the best team around the quarterback that year? Well, Jay Saul. Jamar uh, Chase and Justin Jefferson are the two best wide receivers (laughs) in the NFL. So you think you think Martinez could have hit those guys on a deep route? You think I could hit he would have landed the ball right in their bread basket as they're walking into the end zone. You don't even have to land it in the bread basket with that kind of talent. Their their bread baskets yeah. everywhere. Just throw it up. Now, one thing that Jay's right about here is that LSU team was stacked top to bottom. Doesn't matter if he's just talking offense. That team was good and they were loaded. I don't know that Martinez would have been the same playmaker that Burrow was for that team. And I'm not saying that, but that team was loaded and they still would have been in the playoffs. 
Yeah, Adrian Martinez might not have been, but I would have been. Listen, you just got to throw the ball up, and those guys are coming down with it. I don't even care what side of the field you're on. Just throw it up. Jamar's got it or Justin's got it. I mean, it would be so easy to beat quarterback in 2019 at LSU. Soul, you got to – it's changed so much, though. Like, does Jalen Hurts ring a bell? Like, he was a stud in college. No one ever thought it would be a stud in pro, and now he's, like, a top three quarterback. And Burrow, I mean, he was balling as a rookie until he tore his ACL. I, I just – and Tua's now kind of a stud. I I think it's kind of an narrative change. I don't know why you guys are dissing on Joe Burrow because if we could have had – if we would have took Joe Burrow, I think we would have been better off. Yeah. But do you and, think he is the not... same Joe Burrow today if he would have gone to Nebraska? I don't know. Could have, would have, should have, but we know what he is. So, I mean – yeah. <laughs> The fact is, he, Nebraska rejected a legacy player who was a stud yeah. at quarterback. That's the thing. They didn't let and, him come in and compete. Scott Frost could have been like, I'm taking Martinez, but you can come in and take the job from him. Yep. And Bishnai, that right there is the recipe for disaster. And I think the undoing for Scott Frost. It's a legacy player that he didn't want. And you saw that again with Rayola. He blew him off for a visit when he was in Arizona. I, I mean, that right there is inexcusable. His uncle's on the staff. His dad was a a legacy player and a Hall of Famer for the Huskers, and you just blatantly blew him off with a visit. Yeah, unfortunate. Yeah, but I do want to point out to the most important thing that B. Schneid said in all of his points as he was arguing on my side against you two is he said that the most important thing about that those Nebraska years is the horrible coaching we had with the no halftime adjustments. And that just goes right against what Jason was preaching, what, the last two weeks about how Scott Frost is the best offensive coach he's ever seen in his entire life. But Joe well, Burrow would have had to overcome that. that with the Huskers, right? <laughs> That that's again, you finding yourself right. in a B Soul world, a delusional world here, T Soul. I never said that. I said he was a good offensive coach. He could score the ball, but how he was am not I delusional? I've been the one saying he doesn't make <laughs> halftime adjustments. Let's let's calm down there, Frosty. He is not a good head coach, but an <laughs> offensive coordinator he was not bad at. I mean, you go see his offense down at UCF. I mean, stellar offense with you know all those quarterbacks. I mean, Milton was an absolute stud for him. And then you go into Oregon, and that was the high-flying offense that he set up in Oregon. I mean, he runs a West Coast offense, but he knows how to score the ball. Was he ready for a head coaching job? No, he definitely wasn't. Even though he was a head coach at UCF, he was not ready for the big stage. Well, Jason, I don't think you're going to get anyone on this panel to agree with you in those points that you're making. But we could jump to the next game. Uh, B. Schneid, how do you think the Huskers will fare at home against Northern Illinois? Um, So, I mean, you look at Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech. I mean, Petzl's in his wins. I mean, you lose those, you got a problem. I mean, no one's going to pick against them, even like Georgia Southern last year. So those, I got a score now going to Michigan. And... Okay, we're we're 4-0 and Michigan's 4-0. It's going to be game day. Um, right now, I saw that the NBC has 
the time slot for like Illinois and Purdue or something for the night one, but that would change, I think, because if they really make this a big noon kickoff, I'm going to be really upset. Only not only as a student, like, like going all the games and stuff like that, but you got to play under the lights. I'm tired of this. Like even the CU, it should be a night game. So I think if it is a night game, it'll help us. Um, here's the thing, Michigan top to bottom, their roster is insane. So, I mean, okay, I'll, I'm going to pick Michigan, but if Nebraska's 4-0, I mean, we, we, we played Michigan tough the last time under Frost, and we got the same offensive line, like veteran. We got veteran defensive backs. But, I mean, if we, it's just going to be interesting to see what we have. I mean, we'll have to see how our quarterback play really is because our receiver's big question mark. Running backs should be good. That should be the strength of the team, but we'll see. So if we run the ball good and uh, everything, I could see us being competitive in the game and possibly pulling off the upset, but I'll just put a set loss just because that's the fair pick. But I think it, what will dictate is how, and we'll know this by now, by this game, how our front three defensive linemen play because Michigan's got like all their offensive linemen are going to play in the pros. So that's where we'll find out. Okay, so yeah, I guess I got us losing that one. So four and one. And and B Schneid, I I agree with you on that side. I I've got us going four and zero going in with Michigan coming to town, and that game it hurts to pick a loss, but it's it's one of those things. Michigan, how much better are they than the last time they came to Lincoln? I don't know that they're a lot better. It's still a good team. I just don't know. The hard part is, is we don't know what this Huskers team is going to be. And I mean, realistically, 4-0, Jeff Sims leads us there. The running backs are doing good. It's a lot of RPO. I, this could be a great game, or it could be a game where it's really a wake-up call. Okay, we beat up on some weak teams and got checked. So I think it'll be a close game as well, but I the heart, my heart wants me to pick a win here, but reality is just telling me not to right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think if, and, if, if it's a seven on seven type of game, I think we have the opportunity to, you know, stick with them, definitely, you know, compete with them and maybe beat them. But this isn't a seven on seven type of game. It is, you got 11 on the field. I think this game is going to come down to the trenches. And I just don't think we compare to the Michigan's. I mean, their offensive line and defensive line are just light years ahead of what the Huskers have at this point. But we do have a couple of question marks that could be X factors. Like Jeff Sims, I don't know if I'm sure you guys saw the the post of uh, the, the photo of the four guys who got the, you know, the single digit numbers for their jersey. Jeff Sims towers over the other guys, towers over them. He's a big dude. And he's fast. I mean, if you watch his Georgia Tech highlights, you know, he can take it like a 60, 70 yarder to the house. And he can also throw up a deep ball. He could do it all. So he's an X factor that we just don't know yet. And Gabe Irvin Jr. is another X factor. Like this guy is freaking built like a horse now. So who knows? You know, if those two guys have a season of their life, Watch out. Nebraska is a sleeping giant with those two. I I think with, with what you're saying, though, T, is you don't know how much Gabe Irvin you're going to see on the field. And I I love Gabe. He's 
even as a freshman, the guy was making plays and then he got hurt, uh, came back towards the end of last season. You just don't know if he's going to be able to stay on the field. Anthony Grant is a violent runner, which I think is really going to help. But Jeff Sims, like you said, it is a quarterback built like, I mean, he's bigger than our linebackers, but I would say he's a quarterback built like a linebacker. The guy can take hits. He can bounce off hits. Um, and he's got a beautiful deep ball. The part that concerns me is who is he throwing that deep ball to now, uh, especially with the news this past week of uh, Xavier Betts leaving the team. And, you know, uh, that one hurts, but obviously um, team's going to rebound and we got a lot of playmakers there. Just hope some of the young guys can step up and help replace uh, Betts this year. Yeah. And B. So I just, I'm not sure how much Betts was going to play. And I think maybe that was part of the issue for him because you look at some of these names and I mean, I know that the, uh, our lads or whatever.com penciled him as the starter because they just figured, but I mean, Josh fleeks is now, you know, he was, he got sent home for way in too much. And then, you know, two days later he's back. So how much overweight could he have been? And, um, you got Billy Kemp. Billy Kemp looked like a, a monster. Marcus Washington should have a big year now that he's back. And then you have the question mark of Malachi Pullman and Isaiah Garcia Castaneda. You know? Now, I'm not saying I agree with that take there, T-Saw. I do think Xavier Betts, you know, he was listed as a starter on our lads that I did think that he was going to have the potential to start. But, the, you know, maybe he – I mean, he quit back in January and went into the transfer portal and they got him to come back. Maybe he just doesn't want to play anymore. We, this wouldn't be the first player in college football to just walk away from the game because they didn't enjoy it anymore. I mean, it's a lot to ask a player to do, to be out there every day in practice. And you know they're not going easy. And, I mean, it's not a game that you want to be out there playing half speed because you had the potential to just get hurt. If you're not going to play 100%, is it really what you want to do type of deal? Yeah, I agree with that, Jason. I mean, if 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 his heart's not in it, he's not playing full speed. It's pretty likely he's going to get injured out there because the guys on the other side are trying to kill him. What I do want to say, B. Schneid has us four and one at this point. But before we have the ability to move on and you know keep getting those picks, we got to lock in those you know those points. You know, I want to know what you got to end them the final score of all these games going forward. I mean, you got. Okay. So I, I, I think 27, 17, the brass were Minnesota. Um, I think. Okay. Dang. I might regret saying this, but I got us beat in CU like 45 to 17. I got us beat in uh, Northern Illinois at home, like 49, the, Let's go 14. I, I mean, that's kind of unpredictable, but uh, I mean, the sky's the limit in some of those games. Uh, Louisiana Tech, again, we should win that one about like 56 to 7. I think in one of these games, our defense is probably going to lay an A, just get lazy in the fourth quarter. We might give up 21 points or something, but. And then Michigan, let's see. I think Michigan's going to be kind of low scoring a quick game. 
because both teams are going to run the football. Um, it's going to be looking like we're playing like 1993 football, I think. It'll be kind of cool to see. Uh, I, I think Nebraska loses a close one, uh, 24 to 23. So, and then uh, that brings us to Illinois, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes, it does. And it's on a Friday night, so it'll be interesting. But I mean, you're going to, it's not like you're going to play at Penn State and a Whiteout. So I know Illinois is good. They got Bulema, good culture. Um, I think, I really think the thing is, is talent wise, we match up with every team so far besides Michigan. I, I really think, and I might regret, regret being the optimist, but. I think we go up to Illinois after losing a close one to Michigan. I think we rule gets that belief in his players. Like we just hung with the number two team in the country. We got, we're, we're getting respect. They're still ranked or they might not have been ranked going in that game. Now they're ranked because of that game. I think he gets his players to go up to play at basically a high school field in Illinois and win. I, I think we go up there. I think we'd be Illinois like, well, about 31 to 20. I, I think we're 5 and 1. I really do. I think the confidence after the Michigan game is in the players. I completely agree with you on that. I think that Illinois game on a Friday night, I think the Huskers are going to be coming off such a high knowing that they, they hung close to Michigan. At this point, it's two more games to get back to a bowl game. The offense is clicking on all cylinders. The defense has belief in themselves after hanging with Michigan and really holding them um, under, basically holding them to a, a close game and under under 30 points. There's, there's no reason that this team doesn't go down to Champaign and just, just win. Absolutely. Well, B-Saw, I've been asking that question for three years. It's, should have been easy for three years to go down to Champaign and just win, and they haven't done that. To me, Illinois is the team to beat in the West, and I think if you are able to top Diesel, Illinois this you year, you are the, the West le- winner. Look at the Diesel, last three coaches to go to Champaign. I don't see a T-saw. I see Chief. Chief Alonowick <laughs> down there. All I see up there is a gopher rowing his boat. Can't hear anything. I just hear splashing. But yeah, for me, that Illinois team, they're just a solid team. They got our kryptonite as the coach. I love to see a win. I just don't know if we're going to get it year one. Now, listen, I say this is what I would say. Week one against Minnesota, if we come out game at the end of the game, you know, fourth quarter, we put together a game winning drive. I might be really looking at this schedule saying we can win some games because honestly, it's been the belief in the players, which is hold, which has held a lot of, you know, held the Huskers back in some of these games. And the reason they were losing so many one score games was just the belief in the players. You know, everything that could go bad would always go bad. So, you know, I might be willing to flip that Illinois game because I don't think Illinois is anything special. They just have a running game, but that's big 10 football. So I do think their offensive line is better than ours, but I think our athletes are better than Illinois athletes to where I might be willing to flip that. But I am with Tiesel on this one, giving the Huskers a loss. Thanks chief. 
Well, let's uh, let's just jump into what should be probably a lock of a win here. How do you see the uh, Huskers doing with uh, Northwestern coming to town for the uh, 100-year anniversary? Yeah, I was about to say when I, I'll get into this one, this is going to be one of those games where everybody's taking a lot of shots in the uh, parking lot for tailgating. Uh, you pet. We lose to Northwestern. That is going to be bad. Really bad. Um, so... I'm going to pencil that as a win. I I think that it could be a game, though, we could play sloppy because if we're we're coming off of – I mean, Northwestern's still a Division One football program in the Big Ten. So even though they could definitely be 0-12 this year, I uh, I can see us being a little cocky going into this game maybe and everybody riding it high. Um, Nebraska's going to be getting the talk of possibly a dark horse playoff team even though they have the loss to Michigan because people, you know, how people talk. So I think we go in and I think we beat uh, Northwestern kind of a, a scary game, but I think we beat them like 35 to 28. So we're, what's that put us at uh, five and one. Uh, that's uh six and one now there, Bobby, you've got us uh, bowl eligible at the same time that, uh, that I do. Absolutely, I like. That. I don't I like know. It. That's a good thing. <laughs> I do not either. But I do want to say, just like you were saying, people are already talking about playoff berth, and I do want to tell you, the guy right here, Bissell himself, has already been talking about it. <laughs> He's I, already been shopping seats. Hey, Jason, I I do not think the Huskers are going to be in the college football playoffs this year. I think this is a this is a build year. This is a year we're going to make it to a Big Ten championship game. Um, and then when the uh, playoffs do expand, I think Nebraska will be at the point under rule that we are back in contention to get that at-large bid and be in the playoffs in the near future. I mean, honestly, see, when we say that, like it, like when you say it, you saw – I mean, some of you might call you crazy, but you look at the schedule and you look at the roster talent and you look at what the coach is bringing in, a new coach. It's not absolutely crazy. I mean, look at what TCU did last year. I know they got killed in the championship, but they were five and seven the year before. And then they flipped it around. Max Duggan wasn't even starting quarterback game one and for the Heisman final. So it's really not out of the realm to say that. And I mean, obviously us being optimistic like this, we're going to, we can watch game one and us lose and, and here you go again. You feel like your life's over. You, you don't want to talk to anybody for a week. But <laughs> I mean, it's just I. You can see everybody can see that there is that vision that, I, and that's not that likely, but it it could happen if you look at the odds of like talent. We got a coach now that actually can like adjust. Is the thing. Yes. We're not we're not going into uh, the third quarter with the same game plan we did coming off the bus at to start the game. I agree with that, but there's just two things that maybe don't have quite the quick fix that we would need. And number one, that's the offensive line, and number two would be the defensive line. For me, Ty Robinson has all the talent in the world, but the guy only puts it together for three or four plays the entire game, and like those plays are spectacular play. I mean, literally, if that guy could just learn to just I think he he said he got called out last year, like the coaches wanted him to play mad. Like if he could just figure out how to play mad, I mean he's an easy first round draft pick. He's got the size, the talent to do it. 
And right now he's showing that he's an undrafted uh, free agent that hopefully is looking for a practice squad or a workout or, you know, he's got to put that now, together. He's got to figure that out with himself. And and the now, offensive now, line Tiso, is Hold excuse. on, hold on. Are, are you telling me that Ty Robinson is more talented than, than Garrett Nelson? Is that, is that what I just heard from you? Because Garrett Nelson was just an undrafted free agent for the Huskers, and I believe you said he was the best player on the defense last year. B-Saul, here's what I got to say, okay? Ty Robinson is more talented than Garrett Nelson, but what Garrett Nelson did on the field is completely different. Garrett Nelson showed up and showed out for himself more so than the unit because the unit didn't play well together. We saw that giving up, you know, 40 to 50 points a game. But Ty Robinson... I mean, he's got all the talents in the world and hasn't put it together yet. I hear what you're saying. That makes that makes good sense. For sure. But but T though, on the offensive line, what, okay. It's so weird because Rule is like actually optimistic about the offensive line and like he reveals the truth. So I really actually think that our offensive line problems were scheme. I really do. I I because we have that talent. Corcoran was the number one player in Kansas. Ben Hart was yep. what, the number one player in Minnesota. Um, Which guy was? Oh, it wasn't um, Ben Hart. Like, pretty I thought Bryce Ben Hart. Star. Yeah. And, and, well, um, Prochaska was a four-star guy. Was he from Omaha? Elkhorn. Yeah, in Omaha. Elkhorn. It's a suburb yeah. of Omaha. And, yeah, uh, he was a four-star guy. And Nerdine Newili is going to be back. Ben Scott right. can win the Remington Award this year. Yeah, I saw that. Ethan Piper got voted for a single digit, so he's clearly going to be in the mix. And then you're also not even factoring – who am I forgetting? Not – gosh, I can't even think of his name now. Well, and I got the thing pulled up right here. Um, Guard. Or did we say uh, Corcoran already? The the Levitsky or whatever his name is? That guy? Oh, I was thinking him. It was someone else. Uh, I guess we got Corcoran, um, Newly, Ethan Piper, Prochaska. Um, Prochaska. Yeah. We got Bryce Benhart, Ben Scott. The only other ones would be Henry Levitsky and uh, Justin Evans Jenkins, but he was redshirted last year. Okay, yeah. So I oh, mean, Sam Sledge. No, he's a he's a new guy. No. Because I think our, well, I, I, yeah, I, I honestly think our offensive line has the talent is there once again. I, I really thought mm-hmm. it was. And then again, we also could have the worst offensive line in college football. So, I mean, I, I'm with you there, uh, B. Schneid. I, I do think this offensive line has potential. I'm just saying we haven't seen it. But, you know, if it was scheme and coaching or whatever else, or maybe they just didn't like his coach, so they didn't want to play for him. Who knows? We'll see it fairly early. And if those guys can figure out, you know, how to block for longer than a second, I mean, you're talking some guys could just really go off this season. And then that's when that's when there's going to be some shocking games. And if the offensive line figures it out, don't, you know, don't count us as an L for Michigan. I mean, because how likely is it that Michigan's going to go have an undefeated regular season for the third year in a row? I think that's pretty unlikely.
Yeah, I think I think the more the more you look at it, I this offensive line, I don't know if it's that far off. I do think a lot of it was scheme. Uh, but there's a there's enough guys there now that we've got some depth to, and especially with freshmen being able to play a handful of games, we've got the opportunity to really shift things around, you know, whether that's in Minnesota, whether we wait until Northern Illinois, but you'll let these guys get some time at different positions, really see, okay, well, who, who's the better run blocker? Who's the better on the RPO options and who's releasing at the right time? Who's not. And they can scrutinize the guys in film. And I think this will be the first year that you see those adjustments come. And it's not, we're not changing the offensive line because of injuries. We're changing it because this guy's, you know, holding his block longer. This guy's actually making plays. It's not a, you know, as I like to say, it's not Scott Frost putting out guys that he thinks are practice heroes that shouldn't be on the field, a la T-Cell's favorite player, Brody Belt. Absolutely, but I do want to make another thing. I like that we finally have a fullback again, and I think it's going to be huge in the running game. It gives you an extra blocker running downhill and a guy to follow. I mean, if you need short yardage, that is an opportunity, and I think you should be able to get three to four yards a carry if you have a fullback in front of you running the ball, and that is something that we are going to need to do consistently if we want to see the Huskers get back into it, and it is going to be controlling the clock and holding on to the football. But I'll double down from a couple weeks ago. I suspect we are going to figure out the run game, especially in the week early schedule. And if we are going to go out there and beat Minnesota, it's going to have to happen on the ground. And I suspect Gabe Irvin is going to have a ton of touchdowns come Michigan week. A ton or seven? Jason, seven is not out of the question, but... If they are going to split time with Anthony Grant and Ramir Johnson, then it probably would be out of the question. But if, if he comes running out of the game, so are you fighting the ball? Are you backtracking on your hot take? Yes, yeah, seven just, touchdowns through four games. That is just one of T-Soul's hot takes so far this season. He actually claimed it as the hot take of the season until no, we heard about three more of the next that episode. That was P.J. Fleck. That was PJ Fleck and Jason's trying to deflect because that's his West champ over there that no one else in the world thinks is going to be winning the well, West. Well, Tso, let's just let's not even backtrack to Minnesota. That's already a win. We're, we've moved past it. B. Schneid, let's jump into that Purdue game. How do you feel about Purdue coming into town for homecoming? Uh, I, I mean, it'll be interesting. I got the new coach, the Illinois defensive coordinator, I believe. And they got Hudson Clark from, from Texas, who's a solid quarterback. Who, I mean, he's about just like Casey Thompson. Him and Casey went back and forth at Texas. So, um, I I don't understand. I mean, I, Jeff Brom was a really good coach, I think. And um, Aiden O'Connell was a stud of a quarterback. So, I, I don't think Purdue's going to be that great this year. I can see Purdue being under uh, six wins. So, I think we uh, that's a home game. So, I think once again we uh, take care of business. I I have us right now. That'll be what six and one. This is game yeah. Uh, eight. Yeah, I think uh, we uh, take care of business against Purdue in a a thirty-one to uh, twenty-four 
home win. We pull away in the fourth quarter. It's close. Purdue shows up a little bit, but now we got, we're going in 7-1 in East Lansing, where um, we got a night game I'm predicting NBC. It's going to be pretty hostile. I think Michigan State. Oh, I don't think they're going to be that good, though. I, I mean, they lost Peyton Thorne and the whiteout. Both transferred out, and Tucker, Mel Tucker's just interestingly, like, I I don't know. They're, they're such an odd team. They go to the Cotton Bowl one year, and then last year they were terrible. So, I, I mean, it's still going to be an interesting game. Um, but I do think that uh, Michigan State will have some wins. I mean, they're just – they're Michigan State. They're, they're – they have the talent. Um, so, I think uh, we go up there. And by now, I mean, we're seven and one. We know how to pull away in games. So I think it's going to be a close game through uh, three quarters going in the fourth. I bet it's going to be like a, I, I say like a 13 13 ball game. It's going to be I getting chilly at night, um, that time of year. But I think that our, we out physical, uh, yeah, we out. I guess I don't know how to word this, but we're more we're more physical than Michigan State in the fourth quarter. We're something that Nebraska fans haven't seen for years, and I think we wind up winning twenty to thirteen to make us eight and one going in going back home to play uh, Maryland. And might I add, Gabe Urban punches that uh, touchdown in with a lead blocker of uh, Janira Bonner. And is that number touchdown number ten of the year for Gabe Irvin or what? Ooh, I see. <laughs> I think Gabe Irvin. I I think that's touchdown uh, close to ten. I do think uh, Ramir Johnson, Emmett Johnson, and Anthony Grant are going to be getting some carries. Quite a bit. I mean, Anthony Grant almost got a thousand yards, so Anthony Grant's going to get his fair share. Um, yeah, he should. Yeah. So, um, but I I think Irvin is just. When we get inside the 20 this year, I think we're just going to line up power eye and just, especially if our line is what I think could possibly happen is doing. You never know. So I got, now I guess we're in the Maryland. And uh, this will be an interesting one. I mean, got to his little brother. Uh, and they're a good, I, I like their coach. I mean, what they've done, they're, they're not a bad team for what they've kind of built up. Um, I'm just looking at the rest of the games because I know I'm going to pick the last two, and I don't <laughs> want to do this as like a as someone covering Nebraska football, being like trying to be a realist in this. But I it's tough to be a realist. <laughs> it really is. Well, I just I look at all these games are at. I mean, there there's not a game on this schedule I don't think we can't win. Um, I really don't. I mean, Nebraska has yeah. to Um, I think. So we're obviously number one in the West. We haven't lost to Westgate yet. Um, Maryland comes in, and I haven't set a time for it. I'm assuming it'll be like a two thirty kick. Um, I think we uh, wind up. I think we just kind of keep this thing rolling. I really do. I <laughs> be solely like this, but I think we. Uh, <laughs> I think we're just really buying in the rule rules culture and the teams like believing. I mean. They have a lot of, uh, I mean, they, they aren't actually technically seniors on the roster, but a lot of guys that have been there four or five years because of the COVID year and everything. So I think those guys are like, holy cow, we could actually do something. 
So I think they, they go and take this game in a in a twenty seven to fourteen win. That puts us at uh nine and one going to Madison to play primetime football on national television. And I think Wisconsin will be let's see, this is game ten. I I think Wisconsin will have more success than um what like because Fickle I've compared a lot to Frost. But Fickle could actually have in game adjustments. At least it seemed like. Um, I think Allen, Braylon Allen, will have a bounce back here. I mean, I, they'll still find ways to get him the ball because he's a dude. Um, it must be interesting. I, I think Wisconsin's going to be the new Ohio State, I guess, the West and next year it's going to arrive and have those. So I think Wisconsin will be tough. But um, a lot of these players on this team, I mean, they've been – We last time we beat Wisconsin, I think, was uh, – shoot – was it 2012? Uh, 12 or 13. It was one of those two years. Okay, well, um, I think that these players see that. We've been so close so many times. And, of course, that's what we always yeah. say. We're so close to this and that. But I think they go up there at Madison in the night in the cold. And I think this is kind of where – because I think I see Wisconsin being about, like, uh, seven and three at this point. I think they're they might have started out pretty hot. I, I haven't really looked at their schedule, but they're gonna have their losses. And I think that someone like that Mordecai, I think the cold's gonna get to them. I think that uh, yep. I I think Nebraska's gonna for once be the more physical team against Wisconsin. Um, I think we run the ball, control the clock pretty well. I think uh. Anthony Grant and Gabe Irvin each have 100 yards rushing. I think uh, like only thing that could hurt us is if Jeff Sims throws a few picks, which I really don't see us. This might be a game where we only throw the ball 15 times. Um, that obviously depends on how our running game looks. But if we go up there, I think we win a close one where we only score 17 points. But we hold Wisconsin because they can't our defensive backs are so uh, stacked, in my opinion, that they can't throw the ball. Mordecai throws three picks, and we end up winning seventeen to ten, making us ten and one going into uh, Iowa. So we've let me tell you something: class. the Kool Aid would be brewing. Sorry, Bisol, the roulade would be brewing on my side if that is what happens. And I will tell you something: it is almost like a flip flop from what we have seen with Wisconsin prior and Nebraska at this point. Nebraska looks to be the more running program at this point, while Wisconsin's flipping the script and they're going to be a pass happy offense when it comes this late into the season. It's going to be a cold. It's got to be a you know it could be snowing. It. This is where it turns into Big Ten football, which is power football. And again, Nebraska hasn't had that since Bo Pelini. And what did we do successful when Bo Pelini was here? We were a running back and offensive line factory. I think every running back that started got a chance in the NFL, and every offensive line that started also had a chance in the NFL. And that's what we need to get back to. Yeah. It's getting back to playing physical football, which is what Matt Rule's recipe for success is. And I completely agree with B. Schneid. I think Matt Rule having familiarity with 
college football with the NFL level. And then also with some of these players that he's brought in, I think really helps set Nebraska up for success. And like I've told everybody, this team wasn't that far off the last couple of years. You're a handful of mistakes away from that three and nine season from being eight and four, nine and three. I mean, realistically, those were a couple of mistakes away and it could be a whole different ball game, but this is where we're at. We've still got a talented roster and we match up well against everybody in the big 10 here. So then you save the best pick for last at home against Iowa. And I think that uh, by now we have the Big Ten West clinched. Uh, so Iowa, I don't know who Iowa's crossover games are. I think they play Penn State for sure. But uh, I think Iowa will be bowl eligible. Um, but I, I see us, I mean, really the only thing that's stopping us at this point is ourselves. Now what could really hurt us is Iowa's going to show up, though. I mean, it's a rivalry game. I mean, Love him or hate him, Iowa will show up and play physical football. So I think the only thing that can really hurt us is us beating ourselves or an injury bug. Maybe I have factor that in. So it's going to be a game where if a guy like Jeff Sims does go down this late in the year, could a guy like Chubba Purdy or Heinrich Harburg come in and play solid enough to keep us going? We'll have we have more talent on the roster, obviously, than Iowa. We always have when we play them. They just outcoached us and been more uh, fundamentally sound. So I think we uh, play a close game. But I think Tristan Alvano kicks the game winning field goal from 46 yards out to make it a 17 to 20 win for the Big Red to put bring us into Indianapolis where we actually will be playing Ohio State instead of Michigan. I think uh, oh, that's who we'll be playing. And I think that, um, gosh, I don't know what to even say to this, but I, I think that we uh, go in there and we play them tough, but Ohio State just overpowers us. And I think that... Uh, we wind up losing a – we give them a good fight, but they wind up beating us 42-28, to 28, and that we get to go to the New Year's Six Bowl. Now, J-Sol, T-Sol, did you, did you hear that? That's, that's another person on the panel who's got Nebraska representing the Big Ten West in the championship game. And B. Schneid also has been drinking that roulade. He's got similar picks to me in every game. We've just got opposite on that Wisconsin game, but I could see it going the other way there as well. So, so you got the Huskers 11 and two, you know, through the big 10 championship game. I got to know, is Jeff Sims a dark horse for the Heisman at that point, turning around a sleeping giant as the quarterback, he's going to be putting up stats. If you're going to be, you know, getting some wins on the board. Do you think he is in New York for the ceremony? Not winning it necessarily, but in New York. I, 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 
I don't actually. I think Jeff Sims will be a solid quarterback. I think he'll be an all big ten, but I really don't think Jeff Sims with what I think this team will be will be um putting up great enough numbers for the Heisman because I, I see us playing a lot of games where we're running the football like 70% of the time, especially in November. So I don't think he's going to be able to get up stats. And I think he's going to, what's going to hurt Jeff Sims, I think maybe is that he's going to have a decent amount of interceptions. So that's what I think his like kryptonite could be this with the team. Um, but I, I think that guys like Gabe Irvin, Anthony Grant and stuff are going to be the, main guys in the I just think they're gonna get most of the touches honestly because they're gonna be having like three or four backs maybe carrying each carrying the ball five to ten times a game. I mean Sims might throw the ball twenty times a game, but I just don't I think it's gonna be so evenly dispersed that I I, I don't think he'll be in the Heisman like in a, as a finalist. Yeah Jason I don't know how you would have picked Gabe uh or sorry Jeff Sims to be in the Heisman when you only pick the Huskers to have six wins, how is the six-win team getting a Heisman candidate out there? I said, first of all, if he is to turn around the sleeping giant of the Huskers, he is six would and be... Six and six turning around the team? I mean, at this point, it kind of is turning around the team, making them bowl eligible, as we haven't done it in six years. But I want to say if they have nine wins... If they go nine and three, I think there is an opportunity that he would get looks. He is going to be receiving some type of votes to get there. Now, I would say he makes it into the running and is in New York, but some people would disagree. Obviously, everyone would disagree. But I do got to say, I think that, you know, his name is going to be talked about it towards the end of the year about that. If Nebraska is really, I mean, if they're back. You do prove a really good point there. I mean, I mean the quarterback is going to get all the love, and so I definitely could see that being a possibility, a solid one. I mean, this is a team that we haven't seen in a bowl game in six years. They haven't won a championship since '01. I mean, it is going to be something that, I mean, college football, the whole entire college football landscape wants the Huskers to be back because it should like the Huskers being good is good for college football because they have such a big following, such a big revenue stream behind it, that it's going to bring a lot more fans to every single game that if the best court, if the quarterback for the Huskers is finally on a winning team again, I think there's an opportunity to say that he would be in the running at the end. Now, am I saying he's going to win it at all? No, my Twitter might say otherwise, but I am not saying that right here, that he's going to win it all. I think that he would be receiving votes and have the opportunity to be in New York. Now, Jason, are you putting together a more successful Heisman campaign here for Jeff Sims uh, than Rex Burkhead had in his opening and inaugural year in the Big Ten? Because Burkhead had a hell of a year that year. And there were plenty of chance for him to be on Heisman watch. But it's a different place where they're coming from. I mean, that was a team that just lost the Big 12 championship, go into the Big Ten, they'd go to the Big Ten championship. Different level of standards at that point. I mean, we were expected to be good. Right now, it's just a question mark. I mean, we ha- we just won four games the previous year. Before that, three games. Before that, I mean, it was the COVID year, and we turned down a bowl game with three wins i mean it is a lot of question marks 
at this point with a brand new coach. If Jeff Sims comes up from Georgia Tech from the ACC and does something electric in the Big Ten and finally brings the Huskers back to relevance, I think that he is going to be receiving the love. Well, let's just uh, jump into it here, B. Schneid. I love the picks on how you finish the uh, season. And listen, JSL, I agree with you. I think if the Huskers do go 11-1, and I do see Jeff Sims being in New York for the Heisman ceremony. But B. Schneid, let's see who you uh, have as your offensive MVP for the season this year. Okay. Would it, would it be bad if I had Coe's? Or is that because I what I'm thinking? I I'm thinking Gabe Irvin and Anthony Grant are my MVPs. I think they they're a two man power, like kind of like with Donovan Edwards and Blake Ford at Michigan. But I guess if I had to pick one, I think uh, I think Irvin overall, my man. So right there I, I with think you. Both, both of them are going to be. I I think both of them could both rush for over 800 yards apiece. I have no issues granting you the ability to call for the running back room there because I think we have the most talented running back room we've had since maybe the uh, like 2012 season, 2013 season. Agreed. I mean, we had some pretty good uh, running back rooms. I mean, we had Rex Burkhead with Amir Abdullah. We read, we had uh, Roy Halu with Rex Burkhead just in the recent years, and that doesn't even touch our championship years. But yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I got the same guy picked for offense. I think I'm expecting a huge year out of Gabe Irvin, especially since he, he pretty much sat out all last season. He's going to be extra hungry coming into this year. But uh, B. Schneid, who do you got for the uh, defensive MVP? I got Isaac Gifford. I think Isaac Gifford's going to be... Uh... I think he's going to be the stat of the defense. I got that single digit. Um, coaches really like him. I think he's going to be a hard hitting guy out of the out of nowhere. I could see Isaac Gifford being a Nathan Gary for us, and that that's what I think he'll be like. If he can take the step forward like you're calling for, and again, him earning the single digit number really tells you that he's taken that step forward. I mean, the guy, there were certain games he jumped off the screen and you were like, okay, like you watch it and you're like, I see you Gifford. I, I see you out there making plays. And then, you know, he doesn't show up for a handful of other plays the rest of the series. And it's kind of like, you got to be consistent. You got to put it all together. And he looks good coming out of fall camp this year. And even just talking, um, like you said, with him earning that single digit, that tells you that he is exemplifying and taking that step forward as a leader on this defense, which is going to be huge for him. Now, do you think well, him not being able to do it play in, play out, you know, before, do you think that comes down to coaching? Do you think one-star tie, as T. So would call him, do you think he finally makes the jump and he's playing, you know, with his heart and these guys actually start showing up. They're not, first of all, I think it comes down to more on this defense. I think maybe he wasn't showing up every single play. My personal opinion is when the offense isn't on the field controlling the clock and the defense is out there for more than half the game, it's hard to stay into the game and have the energy to keep playing. So I think it comes down to controlling the clock. But do you think having a new head coach is going to help him revamp his play there? Be so. 
Yes, absolutely. And I think as we've touched on a handful here, I just think Matt Rule and the staff that he put together, these kids are all excited to hit the ground running. These kids are hungry. They want to put together winning football. And Matt Rule wants to awake this sleeping giant. And he has some guys in the right places here. And I expect him to have success this first year. I think this will be the first year that Matt Rule has taken over a program that was down for him to come in and build a culture. And as he said in his press conference a few days ago, this is a team that isn't like a Temple, isn't like a Baylor. He's not coming in having to build a culture. There's a lot of good players here, and he just has to get them to believe in themselves and play together. Yeah, and what I also like about that Isaac Gifford pick, number one, his brother's playing on Sundays, so you know this guy's got the NFL talent in him and the NFL connection. But number two, if you recall last year, nobody seemed to be the to want to be the guy to step up and make a tackle. And he just always seemed to be the guy who, you know, if the running back's in open space, he could fly in, hit him low, and actually bring the guy down instead of an arm tackle that takes three or four guys to bring down anybody. And then you come to find out later on, they're not even tackling in practice, but he, for whatever reason, always stayed that well. So I think with better coaching, I expect him to actually take a big step up. And I also expect uh, Ty Robinson to take a big step up. And same thing with Luke Reimer. I expect those three guys to step up this year because they were all subpar last season for where they need to be. No way add Billy Camp, though. For the MVP, uh, I was, I was debating it, but I decided to go Irvin at running back over wide receiver. I was shocked when Jaysaw picked Marcus Washington over him. I thought Billy Kemp would have been the easy pick for wide receiver. Yeah, but he's a smaller target. I think Marcus Washington out there is a bigger target. I think he's going to open up the field, and I I do think Billy Kemp has the talent. He's got the speed. I mean, it's going to be a lot going on there, and I think he's got the ability to, you know, stretch the field. But I think Marcus Washington is going to be, you know, the target when it's coming down, and Jeff Sims has to scramble. He's got to find a guy. I think Marcus Washington, you know, he went through it last year with uh, Casey Thompson trying to find an opening because our offensive line would break down every single series that, you know, he's going to be the guy that's always looking for an opportunity to find the open spot and get Jeff Sins a target out there. Speaking of guys looking for the uh, open spot on the field here, especially when things start to break down, it'll be such a blessing and a nice thing to see. And I'm trying not to jinx the kid. I feel so bad for him, but Thomas Fedone looks so good at fall camp right now that if he can make his way onto the field, this Huskers tight end room, especially if Gilbert can get his waiver, that tight end room is the best in the country between Borkature, Fedone, and Gilbert. Yeah, Beastful. I was actually just about to bring that up because I've been like, so I I did have the running backs, uh, especially Irvin as my MVP. But when I also, when you look at it, like a player you cannot live without possibly, I think Fedoni might be the guy potentially that you could be because he's going to open up so much. I mean, he looks massive. So, you know, he should be able to block. And I mean, 
what it sounds like. He, they're lobbing it up to him and practice, and he's mossing guys. So I think that he might be. Because uh, I, I mean, I picked my MVPs for the strength positions on both sides of the ball, secondary and um, running back. Right, like if I were to pick guys you cannot live without, I think it'd be Fedoni. And I'd also on defense, I'd have to say, uh, uh, gosh, I'd probably have to put Luke Reimer because we're, we're I'd say those are some question mark positions or not question mark. There's talent there, but they're you get, your depth is not right. I, yeah, I, I mean, if Arik Gilbert doesn't get the waiver. And then it kind of – that's going to hurt. But like you said, if we get Arik Gilbert, Fedoni, Borkature, Bonner, I mean, that, like you said, it, it could be yeah. one of the best in college football. And especially yeah. we, we'd be able to keep everybody healthy. A lot of if, – if they're healthy, if they're fresh, if they're rotating in, and especially with all the power football that we want to be running here, just picture power eye – two tight ends out there and Jeff Sims fakes it. And those tight ends are bigger than everybody else on the field. I mean, that's just, that's a recipe for success, especially in the red zone. And that's something that I am looking forward to this year. And I think it's going to be great to see when this team finally puts it together. And like I said, we're holding our breath for that waiver. And I know coach rule has said it. There are a lot of guys who are involved in the waiver process, but the waiver shouldn't be available if you're going to hold it out for Reek. That's true. Yeah, be so, but I got to tell you, the NCAA has been declining waivers these past couple weeks, so it seems it it doesn't look good for Eric Gilbert playing this year, and I think the coaches are starting to prep for that, like, you know, at least for the first month that it's, if he is going to get approved, it's probably going to be a late approval. Like, gosh, we had somebody on our team with Scott Frost that one season who federal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The QB. Yeah, that's right. The backup QB. And, and at that point it was just too little too late because, uh, Martinez had already been knocked out in a couple of games that you wished you could have had that quarterback depth that season. And you just hope that doesn't happen this year. If like Fedone goes down, you know, knock on wood doesn't go down, but if he does, what are we sitting at depth wise, you know? Yeah. It could be one of those positions where you could have like, uh, be super thin or super like, Strong, so it'll be interesting to see how it works out. Well, thanks for joining us for another week of the Sully Scoop. You're here with J Saw, B Saw, and T Saw. And thanks for joining us for our special guest this week, B Schneid. Thank you guys again for having me on. It was another good one. and Keep enjoying being a part of and looking, listening to you guys throughout the weeks and stuff. So I really appreciate it. And go Big Red. Go Big Red. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Beach Night. It was nice to have you. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. And we'll look forward to having you in the future again. And don't forget to follow it, like, and 
shout out the Sully Scoop on Twitter. If you want to bring up a question you want us to talk about on the Sully Scoop, we'll be sure to cover it. But you can catch us on anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, or YouTube. Go Big Red.